Welcome to the Feel Better Make It podcast. Real life, real women, no shame. We take it from drop it like it's hot to I can't get off the toilet. In this podcast, we tackle questions about real issues women have to face with their body, life, love, and their career. Every week, Dr. Letitia and Dr. Jennifer, both physical therapists and business owners, will share from their life experiences and expertise on their journey to feeling better naked. Join us as we ask the questions you've never asked and have fun while doing it. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Oh, you're such a wonderful singer. Hello, everyone. Today's episode, if you haven't guessed by now, is all about sex. Let's talk about sex with Dr. Jennifer and Dr. Letitia. How are you doing, Dr. Letitia? I'm doing well now. I wouldn't say I have a good singing voice, but hey, I got it out. <laughs> we thought, you know, I we thought that, hey, Valentine's Day, all about love. Let's break it down, ladies, and let's talk about sex. So I'm excited about this this episode as it is releasing on Valentine's Day. So, so far, we are going through, at least in the last couple of weeks, going through a good little winter storm here going through snow days, it's always the days that you're like, please, I just want these kids to be at school. But, you know, with a seventh grader, you know, his, his main needs are PlayStation and eating and sleeping right now. So that's what's going on over here. What's new with you? We got through, uh, we had a quarantine and we had the stomach virus and I don't think we had a straight uh, week of people being back to work and school in our household until this week. So it's been a lot of fun. It's like whatever I wanted to get done, I just had to like bring that back about 25% and um, realize it's just a week, but thankfully everyone is healthy so that's a really great thing. So we're getting ready to hire on our new PT. Uh, she's started with us. She's relocated from Nashville. So we're a team of three public PTs right now. That's it's nice. awesome. Yes. Well, congrats on that. Thank you. So today we are going to be diving into several topics with sex. Um, Dr. Letitia is going to share kind of her journey with some hormonal imbalances and myself as a pelvic physical therapist, um, I do help quite a few people um, have pain-free intercourse and um, or pain-free sex. And again, sex is not penetrative intercourse. That can be external course, what they call it as well. And a lot of times when women have been struggling with pain, um, they struggle with having any kind of sex drive because it's painful. So it's something I talk quite a bit about. I've got a lot of resources, but I think what could be really great is um, to talk about your journey, Dr. Letitia, with your kind of hormone imbalance. And if you could just tell us a little bit of your story, um, because I know other women are going to identify. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like that, um, kind of that, that journey and it. Probably it's almost like that click after 35 journey, like right around that time, it seemed like, oh, things are going well. Then that kind of slight decline in which abdominal weight gain be, uh, became there. Energy levels were off. Sleep would start getting being disturbed as well as waking up, feeling like um, you were a few steps away from hell in the middle of the night. 
with sweats, <laughs> night sweats. And you're like, woo, let's get this towel because I'm burning up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, okay, I know something is off. Obviously being in healthcare, being not having at that point, didn't have a super amount of knowledge as far as obviously, you know, the roles of hormones and different chains, but I knew something was off. I said either hormone levels or off something is going on eventually um, then went to a primary that I had at that time and was like, Hey, something is off hormone levels, thyroid, something is off. So I knew enough to be able to say some potential areas. So got the initial test work back and like, Oh yeah, everything's normal. Your hormones are good. Thyroid's good. I'm like, no, it's not. Mm-mm. I know my body. I know something is going on. This is abnormal for me. Yep. So I said, I need to find some other resources and dig a little bit deeper. So then I, that's when I found some, um, Hey, what's functional medicine. So looking, doing more research, functional medicine providers kind of get down to the root of the problem and be able to, a lot of times they're, um, specially trained nurse practitioners that have an additional, um, certification and training in that. And a lot of them have their own practices. So I said, I need to look and see deeper and make sure Hey, let's get to the roots. Let's see if there's other underlying issues going on. So found a provider, went through kind of a full plan of deeper level testing when it came to just not looking at kind of superficial hormone and superficial thyroid levels, which are in the traditional thyroid panels. Yeah. Not realizing that that part could be missed for sure. So got some numbers. Hey, borderline thyroid issues. Like it was in the normal range, but it was so low and very close to the end of it that it was kind of what they call subclinical, subclinical hypothyroidism. You have all the symptoms of your thyroid being off, yeah. but you're still with what they call normal range. Okay. So what did they um, recommend you do for the yeah, subclinical? At that point, it was going, yeah, at that point it was going on um, kind of a combination that had a little more natural-based thyroid medicine, starting out at a certain level with that to see, and then not realizing that your thyroid has a high cor- um, correlation with your metabolism. So if your metabolism is off, then obviously your body is going to be just working to do its regular body functions, not working to drop weight. Yeah. Well, you start noticing some of those different weight changes there. I'm like, hey, let's see if the thyroid is a contributing factor to why we're stalled out at, at weight, why we're seeing this weight gain, as well as I had a bunch of nutritional deficits. Vitamin D was so off. So really looking at that comprehensive book got me on a right treatment plan. But really just recently, even before then, I was still a, a, you know, underlying thing was too, that my libido was low. Yeah, I was going to say so. Yeah, that was at the lower portion of that was my energy, weight and sleep being disrupted, but that was still there. So really just uh, maybe September, October, start kind of being like, okay, this is still, sex drive is still in the, is in the toilet right now. What else can we do? So I started with, um, got another provider and started with some testosterone said, got my retested everything. And she said, man, your testosterone is really low. It's like, if my testosterone was this low, I'd be sleep underneath the couch somewhere. You know, my energy would so <laughs> with a combination <laughs> of thyroid and energy levels. I was like, well, I guess I just been pushing through. My body is a little bit different. So I started on the, uh, a topical testosterone cream. Where would you, yeah, you said a lot of words. Um, so I want to take kind of, yeah. for anyone that's listening, I'll tell you that you're hearing, you know, different hormones thrown out. I think one of the biggest takeaways is also that Dr. Letitia is seeing a functional medicine integrative provider. And you, I think what's, what we try to do sometimes is we try to Google it 
listen to some shows like we're doing now, informational things, and try to start implementing things for ourselves that we don't really even know if we have the deficit. So I think one of the biggest things I heard you say was subclinical. And so I wanted you to kind of go back to the uh, when they're doing hormone panels A, it was very hard for me to get someone to, to check my hormones prior to 40. But let's say I we've got people listening and they say, well, yeah, I was tested, but they said my hormones are fine. What is the difference between that and the tests that you got? Yeah, I think there there's a kind of like the baseline hormone panels that they look at. They do look at progesterone, testosterone, or estrogen, things like that. And then essentially one thyroid indicator and not, there's like five different indicators that kind of dig a little bit deeper into your thyroid. Mm -hmm. And initially those initial tests are just a surface level test. It won't be able to break down if you have a deficit, significant deficit in, in one other area. So that subclinical means, you know, on paper, it was in normal range. And that's what a lot of ladies do. They go get their yearly physicals. The doctor says, okay, everything's good but you're right on the border of pre-diabetes. Yeah. You don't know the exact numbers yeah. or you know your body is not normal. So that's the main thing of being that advocate to say, I know this isn't normal. I don't care that you're saying these numbers are within normal range and just, oh yeah, by the way, you just, you know, I know you've been having issues with weight. We'll just, you know, cut down on your carbs and yeah. go on from there, which is yeah. not any, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not a framework to help you. So I think one of the, the biggest things too, when we talk about decreased libido is it doesn't always have to do with decreased testosterone, but so we'll get to that as well. Um, when we look at our body in general, it's complicated. There's not just testosterone that needs to be there for sex drive, but also estrogen progesterone ratios, but another huge one are your adrenal glands. Um, thyroid, uh, insulin, pre-diabetic. So the thing about a functional medicine doctor is they're looking at the whole body. They're not just looking at estrogen or the vulva. They're looking at what are all of your symptoms. So, so you started your, your supplements how long ago? A couple months now. And so how's, uh, how's the libido? Yeah. As far as the, yeah, as far as like, like you, like you said before, you know, the, the thyroid also is a factor in metabolism and energy significant. And then testosterone. So like I said, it's that overall picture, but the shift that's been from essentially end of October until now is with me now having the testosterone cream. Now before okay. it wasn't my husband, you know, he's sexy, fine, still love him, but it was your whole mind about you getting being able to get in the mood and feeling like you have that drive. And that had been really low for me and energy levels were all, are all part of that too. So yeah. that difference between October and now we're into February, it's been a significant mm -hmm. difference. Like to me, I felt like I'm coming back alive again, as far as being able to be uh, having the desire or increased desire. So I think the only, okay. and that's really been the only significant change. My meds have yeah. still been the same with thyroid. I made a little tweak with that early, but okay. that testosterone has really been a big change for me. Great. That's great. I think, um, that's, you also have other tools, I think kind of knowing, um, about the vulva and like where the clitoral organ is and stimulation and having different tools. I think, um, I really, 
would say, I appreciate your story with that. Is there any other things that you've done using the testosterone, but also that's helped, do you think, increase your libido? Any other tools besides the cream? Yeah, I think the, um, the other factor was also that energy levels. So, you know, being able to modulate the, the thyroid, because sometimes that fatigue will do you in, as you know. You've been running around doing the things, business owner, wife, mother. Then at nighttime, it's like, oh, you're supposed to be on and miss sexy fine and put on the lingerie. But if your energy levels were already down, <laughs> then you're definitely not, you know, on top of energy. I'm so tired, let alone being in the mood uh, per se. So being able to make changes in a little bit with that medication, but also with that energy level boost, now you're able to now move better, exercise, made some little changes in nutrition as well to be able to optimize and see some things that are really flowing with my blood sugar. So I think those are some other changes that were also made as well uh, that have contributed to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it's, when you're so depleted and tired to try to get in the mood, it's really difficult. But I'd also say you can have all the number. Now we all are having, I think as human beings have some imbalances in our body. Um, but I'd also like to say just having knowledge about what libido is and your sex drive and what that's supposed to be like. Oftentimes we have a misunderstanding. I think we might switch if you're okay with us a little bit on the fact that we're always taught that in sex ed, if we had the opportunity to have that in school, that painful periods exist. And as you and your friends talk through high school, um, that sex is just painful. And you just, you're as a woman, you're kind of just there to just be available, but sex isn't really typically made for, um, women thought process meaning that penetrative intercourse is often thought of as the standard of sexual uh, intimacy, um, I would say sexual arousal rather, um, for women, but we know 85% of women only have external orgasms. So if you're not sure that you've ever had an orgasm, A, you're not alone. And if you haven't had an orgasm, it is very hard to have a sex drive. Yeah. If it's not feeling good at all. Um, and again, there's so many layers to this. So I'm just hoping to bring these things up and what I talk to my clients about, but, um, but also penetrative intercourse that doesn't, that's just one way to have arousal for you. And it can be painful for some women and it's quite common. One in five women have pelvic pain with that. So if you're dealing with entry pain or deep penetration pain, know that you don't have to deal with it. But I think also things like being able to communicate to your partner um, what feels good and stuff. I don't know how intimate we want to get here, but um, <laughs> but for true. you too, like your kind of key, it sounds like was, yes, I've got the thyroid issue and I've got the fatigue, night sweats, brain fog, low testosterone, but you also seem to have other tools that you probably felt comfortable utilizing once you had those hormones on board, meaning like knowing what you liked yeah, in the bedroom. It, yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. Cause like when you kind of bring that fog out of having the other things, then you can really hone in on, you know, necessarily mm. what your desires are. And, you know, like you said, as far as arousal goes as well, another big key that I didn't even think about is that modulating kind of those, that those stress, so being able to kind of take those times where you do some deep breaths and meditation mid things throughout the day, focusing more on doing some um, restorative yoga, stretching and things like that, 
helps with that regulating of that system so that, like you said, you'll be more, more open uh, to the opportunity as well. So. Yeah. And that, uh, that parasympathetic, we've got our autonomic nervous system, which is the fight or flight or the rest and digest. And most of us women run in fight or flight, constantly highly stressed, but you're rest and digest, that is supposed to decrease heart rate, blood pressure, uh, decrease respiratory rate, but also helps with arousal. So let's just play out a day. You know, uh, I think Dr. Letitia has been a great encouragement to me on what's, what's, what are you doing to rest for yourself? Um, she's holding me accountable. Um, but I think you do a really good job. Like the other night you had your Janet Jackson special on and uh, you said, I'm just having a girl's night, taking time for myself. But what that does through the days and weeks is it's bringing you down a notch and that then, yes, I would like to have sexual intimacy and desire because that's you're in a really um, more quiet place and not running from the lion place. So I think when we do mindfulness or yoga or watching a show or, or just turning off for a little bit, that in the long run can increase your libido if I'm hearing you. Yeah, right. definitely. Yeah. Like I said, that's my, um, I go into what I call my ladies lounge and then that's yes, there you go. Off from all of the, cause at home now it's my husband, my son and the male dog. So it's a no boys allowed in the ladies lounge. So being able to set up, set that up. Um, so that, like you said, you have some downtime, you have the me time built in there and the time for you. So in there, you're not wife, you're not mother, you're not business owner, you're not auntie, sister, all the things you'd be able to set aside, you know, that time. So I think that's a, that's a key when it comes to when you're talking about intimacy as well. Like if you're always so heightened and everything, you're not going to be able to get that relaxed and be ready for intimacy, the emotional, physical, because we know for a lot of women is the, the emotional component. It's not just the physical body that yes. has to be engaged. And that emotional yes. component is a huge one that um, where we see some of the deficits as well or struggles. Yeah. And um, there's a great book and we'll put this in the show notes, but I've talked about it a lot. Uh, it's called Come As You Are and um, written by Emily Nagowski. And she breaks all of this down and has a chapter on what stress alone does, but also a chapter on what your sexual personality is um, because we're all different. So even when you're talking to your friend, if you all even feel comfortable enough to even talk about it, um, you're, what you might visualize or feel as an orgasm doesn't mean that's what someone else would and what arouses one person doesn't another. But also for women, we can have slow arousal and then quick drop off or quick arousal and then quick drop off. Um, and so sometimes I'll have clients in here say, well, it takes me longer to have an orgasm and I need them to explain what that means. And most often I hear in the clinic that, well, they're comparing themselves to their male partner and we can't, we can't do that to a male partner. Because all you got to say, let's go. And then they're like, yep, I'm ready. But for women, a little kind of, if you don't mind me kind of switching into the anatomy part, you have to have, we have a clitoral organ. And if um, you get a chance to look at that, Google the images, you're not going to take be taken to a pornography site any longer. Um, you could just say clitoral il illustrations or go onto my page there and I'll make sure to do a post on uh, Instagram 
what that clitoral organ looks very similar to what a penis would look like. And you have to have erection of the clitoral organ to also have lubrication. And what would create an erection of the clitoral organ could be stimulation. So you're touching using a vibrator or even for women, as Dr. Letitia said, there's the thoughts. So a lot of women can, there's a a nice tip I've um, learned from a sex therapist that even scheduling sex and intimacy is important on your schedule because the whole day, let's say you're going to do that on Wednesday, the whole day Wednesday, you're visualizing it, you're thinking about it. And so again, um, that's one strategy for women. And then, you know, let's not wait till 11 o'clock to try to have intimacy, but we'll do that at maybe nine because really no one at 11, everyone's really tired. It's hard. But all this to be said that the anatomy, knowing that the clitoral organ Doing a quickie for a female is not very hard to be arousing for women, um, particularly if you're now having what's called vaginal dryness. So this is also something that can happen as women are perimenopausal. They will start to have some of the signs that Dr. Letitia said, um, brain fog, night sweats, difficulty sleeping, fatigue, but some women will also experience vulva changes. Your vulva is the outside of your vagina. It's like calling your face your throat. I'm going to keep saying this every episode. So if you've heard it, you're hearing it again. But if you don't look at your vulva, it is really important to look, particularly if you're having dryness and you're having discomfort because the tissue can get really thinned out and dry when estrogen is low as well as testosterone changes. And so um, the clitoral organ itself can also shrink. In size. So if you're trying to stimulate the clitoral organ, but the tissue's thinned out, the clitoral organ's smaller, you're getting no stimulation of the clitoral organ, it's going to be therefore very hard for you to get any kind of orgasm because the, the organ itself's not getting uh, the blood flow that needs to happen in order to have an orgasm there. Any questions? I'll stop yes, rambling. Any questions? Yeah, yeah. That could go, <laughs> that could for sure go deeper. But going back to what you're talking about, how you're trying to educate women and ladies is that um, you know, it's not your fault. It's not on, you You know, the, the thing is, it's like, we have that shame or we're trying to fight something's wrong with me. That's why I can't do this, or I'm not able to please my partner, or I'm just not into it. And it's, and it keeps building and building. And that obviously going to stream into relationships, work, all the things, you know, interaction with, with people. So, how do you kind of go about ladies that are coming in and saying, yes, they're having painful intercourse and they may be of a certain age. So what does that kind of look like throughout the life cycle too? Yeah, I see women ranging from right as they become sexually active. Um, so, well, I would say the oldest we treat here is going to be 18 year olds plus. So 18, 20 year olds, um, 20, in your 20s rather. So just getting in relationships or newlyweds. Um, but I will tell you the most common age, usually we're going to see uh, women in their thirties and forties. Um, and then just because of the fact that they feel this should be their prime, they should still be able to have intimacy intercourse and not, um, feel like it's uncomfortable or have no sex drive at all. Just as you were saying, you had no sex drive. You felt like that's abnormal. What happens post menopause is that women are told, Oh yep, yeah, you've had gone through menopause. So you won't have a sex drive. 
same thing with the whole pee thing. This is not a pee episode, but yeah, you're going to go in a leak. So the, and so women are like, well, yeah. And then my friend was also told that lie. And this is in the United States. I don't know if I should say lie or just misunderstanding. Cause what happens when you get the courage to finally talk to your OBGYN or family doctor, it's hard to talk about these things because of what Dr. Letitia said. There's so much shame because yes, you feel like you're broken and you're absolutely not broken. You just don't have the right tools and you just don't know what you don't know. Um, but then your doctor will say, yep, that's just what happens as you age. And so Dr. Letitia started this episode off of advocating for yourself. And if you're listening to this, that is a very, um, big myth that no, you don't have to deal with that. So I would say the common age range I'm seeing right now is between thirties and forties, but we see people from all different age ranges for varying reasons. And so, um, usually we've got to get to the root cause. Is it the skin that's causing pain? Is it difficulty having arousal? Is it the pelvic floor muscles? Is it the spine, the hips? And, um, and so a lot of women will be thrown lubricants, which I know we're going to talk about, but a lubricant's a nice little tool, but it isn't something that you sh- it it's um, not going to create clitoral um, organ erection or arousal. Uh, it could sometimes help, but it really is mimicking your lubrication, which again isn't for you; would be for your partner and for it to just make it tolerable. So I think a lot of women are just out there tolerating sex. Like, yeah, I'll just do the lubricant and all those, yeah, whatever you want to do. And again, if you're doing that, so common and we, we, it's so hard to even talk about these things because it's hard to find the right resources to even know how to, to have a good arousal and enjoy sexual intimacy with your partner. Yeah. And then, like you said, it's one of those things like you said, Oh, that's just kind of what happens or we're just, uh, suffering in, in, um, you know, solitude on, <laughs> on what's going on. Like, there's nothing really, I can really talk to anybody about, is this normal? Maybe this is normal. Maybe something is wrong with me. Why am I not able to do this? And that goes back to that whole mental connection with intimacy. So once that starts dropping off, it's going to be hard to rebound to get the physical going again, if you're, um, you know, suffering in silence. Yeah. And then, you know, we talk about things like the impact on intimacy in general with your partner. So intimacy doesn't need to be sexual intimacy. Intimacy can just be holding hands, uh, having a date night, talking, connecting, spooning, sitting next to each other on the couch. But you start having the sexual intimacy part uh, for a lot of male partners. Um, for men in particular, sexual intimacy is one of the ways they can be really intimate with their partner and share affection. It's just, um, there's a lot of um, books written about this. And so, so then, uh, you know, women want to try to give that to their partner, but mm, any good partner is not going to want you to have pain. So they know you're in pain, you know, you're in pain. And like you guys are both just tolerating that, which again, so common, um, because no one's teaching us this as we become sexually active. And so we're all just kind of tolerating it, but they don't want to see you in pain either. So then what happens for some of my clients is they come in and this is not just what I find as a physical therapist, but there's layers of emotional, um, just emotional stress in your relationship because it's hard for both of you um, emotionally. It can be. Um, I'm trying to validate women here because... (laughs) um, it's a lot more common for women to have painful intercourse than it is for men, but there is a huge, it can be hard on your relationship. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and the media obviously doesn't help, you know, media images, 
movies, you know, you've no. got this, you know, you know, all of a sudden immediately you're, you're turned on and the guy's like Jack rabbit, 2.3 seconds. And both of you guys are both having orgasms at the same time. And standing. that's that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The standing up against the wall and, the yes. sit, and the, so you're like, Oh, well maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Or like the lady was saying, yeah. it takes her longer, longer compared to whom was it something, you know, that you've been ingrained where you see movies, you see images and nice. things like that. And it's supposed to be just like that or, you know, missionary or cowgirl, whatever position are supposed to be, you know, the, those position, every position you're able to have an orgasm for women. At least that's portrayed <laughs> on media that I've seen yeah. <laughs> that, that I've seen. And it's supposed to be like quick and all at the same time. Obviously the same yeah. is for guys. It's like a guy's a guy because everything is, is external external right and you just and we're we're talking about here these positions you see and such on these in these tv shows and movies um we're all now using standard of deep you know or penetrative intercourse being the way that women have orgasm which majority of us don't it's not showing you any kind of foreplay or exactly. right, they really can't because they're trying to hide things unless you know there are there are there is pornography out there that is like feminist pornography and actually paid artists that do that and i you know i don't know if that this is the i can i don't know if this is the place to really suggest different sites but we maybe could if you're looking for some type of um pornography that's not um illegal free <laughs> But there's just different types of pornography and I want to save, (laughs) I want to say that there's just ranges there and that, again, so much taboo and shame around that. But if you're also learning, because how are we also learning? I mean, the generation that we're in now, you have access to anything and you're also now watching pornography and seeing, oh, well, that's how they're, again, having arousal. Um. But when it comes to you, it's really one of my biggest suggestions is like self-stimulating or searching on your own as a female, because if you know what feels good, then you can tell your partner. Um, And that that statement itself, like self-stimulation and exploring can be really hard for some of you listening. And because, again, there's so much shame built around masturbation and, and is that okay? And we don't really talk about that openly as women. I know some men talk about it a little bit more openly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm yeah. not. Yeah, we're not going to down the men, but yes, it probably could be more, a little more, a uh, little more open. Exactly when it when yeah. it comes to that. But I think the, another major key we were saying is that the whole intimacy part is just not all about um, the sex. Sorry, it's the everything building up to it, holding hands. Yes, you know, walking walking by, touching their head, or whatever little physical touches or things like that, or sayings yes. or sending text messages throughout the day. If you do have yes. your, you know, scheduled Wednesday deal, even though it sounds funny to like try to schedule it, but sometimes that might be something to kind of change up things. It's like you said, you have that anticipation, yes. um, you know, throughout the day. So it's all these other subtle movements and, and actions that go into, um, that are intimate, you know, ac- actions that go into actual, the, yeah. And I was, you know, talking about things like different tools to use for you as, as females too. And those, Dr. Letitia just named off like touching certain places. So some women feel, um, they get increased stimulation when the foot is touched or the inside of their wrist. Um, and it's you and your partner exploring that. I mentioned things like there is kind of feminist porn out there. What feminist pornography really is, is that it's, um, pro-female, 
um, pleasure, right? So it's all, that's what that term means. Um, I'm not an expert in that. I don't know that I feel like comfortable putting it on the show notes, but um, that is one tool that some sex therapists will talk about. But other things are going to be things like vibrators, um, different types of toys that you can use in the bedroom to help stimulate the clitoral organ. Um, there's also around the anus, there's a lot of um, feel good places around the anus. So there's even exploring things like that, but also lubricants is a thing that I mentioned could help kind of get things started. So, um, as far as different types of, at this point, Amazon is selling different types of sex toys and they've now categorized that. Um, unfortunately they've also put pelvic PT tools in that category, but even though it's more of like from a medical standpoint, so Amazon does sell a lot. There is a really, uh, a few great, I'm not going to put any names of vibrators in the show notes because I don't think that we're like partnering with anyone here on different types of um, vibrators, but vibrators can be really helpful for women, particularly if you're dealing with, I'll recommend this for women who have um, just discomfort on the skin down there. Cause a lot of friction can irritate your skin. And then you're like, that just hurts. I don't want anyone to touch. So vibrators can be helpful. Um, and then lubricants. Yeah. So what about some safe, because you know, you always got all these super duper um, different flavors and scents and such and such in the garden and flowery X, Y, Z. I'm sure there's probably some such things that are not so super healthy for down there. Yes. So I, I think we can, um, there are really great. I can name a few brands that I recommend um, since we use these in the clinic, but um, Slippery Stuff and Sliquid are really great water-based lubricants. Um, there are also CBD lubricants that are coming out there as well, but I just want to name some things that you want to try to avoid in lubricants. And then these will be in the show notes, so it's going to be long show notes today. So make sure you do subscribe so you can look at our show notes here. But Glycerin mineral oil, olive oil, jojoba oil, beeswax or paraffin, and then petroleum ointment, which is in a lot of the um, silicone type lubricants. And then it says low quality silicones. And those are going to be long names. So look at our show notes. I'm not even trying to pronounce them. <laughs> you know all the ingredients, right? If it's got a really long name, and that ingredient, yeah. what we do See, we, that goes but, back to what you're putting in your body too. If it has a super yep. long name to it that you cannot pronounce, it may not need to go in your body. <laughs> Be on you. And not go yeah. on you either. So if you're worried about ingredients and labels and what you're putting in your mouth, well, that's another pun there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about food, then you might yes. want to make sure you still say that same attention. Yep. Yeah, I would say a lot of women tell me they use coconut oil. So if you're on here listening because you, you think that's natural and stuff, coconut oil is nice. And for some women, it can work. It doesn't have the glide that your natural lubricant has. So what I really like to say is your own lubricant is the best lubricant. And so if that means you all take longer with foreplay, but knowing what's stimulating for you to get your own lubricant to come through, that it's just going to trump any type of other lubricant just because it's made specifically for you. But coconut oil can be helpful, and the ones that I named off are going to be water-based. Um, 
I don't really have a CBD one that we recommend on a regular basis. There's also aloe vera one. So I'm going to put those ingredients to avoid in our show notes. And then just a couple of the brands I recommended. I don't know if you have. So none of these have fragrances. And yeah. none of them are um, strawberry or chocolate cake or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's going to be important key because a lot of those things are um, advertised. Fragrance. So yeah. they have the fragrances, they maybe have some dyes, they maybe have some things in there, some colors and stuff like that, and that people are rarely, you know, using those. And when it comes to, you know, overall health, then you might want to try to avoid, definitely try to avoid some of those things. Well, and it can irritate the skin. So the vulva is like, the, you know, when you burn the inside of your mouth, like that sore you get and it just stays forever. That's how your vulva is. So if you put some of that stuff on, well, now it can create itchiness, irritation, and then anything that enters the vaginal canal is not going to feel so great. So, and again, for some women, you might be fine, but I would always err on the side of caution. And, um, I think Dr. Letitia and I are both really holistic, natural minded. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that lubricant wise, again, Amazon, um, some areas of the country, not where I live, have actual sex stores. It's not in the county I'm at, but some of these sex stores are actually really great to go into. Look at their Google reviews because these people work in the front. Like they can show you vibrators, they can tell you good lubricants, they know all the ins and outs. It just depends um, where you're at in the country, listening to this or the world rather. But but in the south, the south of Atlanta, where I'm at, there are no uh, stores. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. I want to say that's surprising. You know, I'm in Indianapolis, yeah. so there's probably, there's quite a few that you can hit. It would on be in Atlanta. Or in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Atlanta. Yeah. You can, you can hit some, cor- in some yeah. hit some corners and you can definitely go to a lot more. And like you said, them being a, you know, kind of more knowledgeable, but obviously the first knowledge comes within yourself. Yeah. And being able to kind of look at some resources. Yeah. You, know, you can get down the rabbit hole of Dr. Google and YouTube University. Yeah. So we just mentioned (laughs) so many different reasons. Hopefully with this episode with Dr. Letitia talking about her decrease, you know, decreased libido with the testosterone. Um, I've had some very similar experiences postpartum, postpartum. Um, this is really the episode's not about it, but libido can be decreased uh, that first year postpartum. But, um, I think there's just, as you're listening to our show, there are so many different reasons why you could have decreased libido and, um, it's layers and come as you are is a really great book, but really having a great functional medicine or integrative provider to just to see where you're at with your hormones is, is key. But any other takeaways you'd like to share? Dr. No, I think, yeah, I think being able to kind of look at that more comprehensive view and look at other aspects and kind of bring things to light. So there's no shame associated with, you know, like we know in our entire show is we're talking about real talk, real women, no shame. Yeah. So yeah. we're all here at a place to be able to, you know, educate, obviously a little inter- entertainment as well. Um, but other than that, I think we're good to go. Hopefully you have a happy Valentine's day. Yes. Happy Valentine's day, everyone. <laughs> You're going to sing again or you're not going to sing again? No, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, but spare you guys the, the singing again. Hey everyone. Thank you for joining us today on our real conversations and journey to feeling better naked. I know there are a million other things you could be doing, sending you all the love. Check out the show notes to grab any tidbits or tools that were discussed on the episode today and be sure to subscribe. You don't want to miss next week's episode. Remember, 
You are enough.